of evil by God is more of a Mike Tyson fight than an old school knockdown, drag out, 12 rounds, goes to the card to find out who wins the match. God doesn't leave the throne. He sends an angel. The angel grabs Satan and he throws him into the bottomless pit for a thousand years. So what you have to realize is that the defeat of evil by God is not a challenge for God. Maybe you've seen a poster that depicts Jesus arm wrestling the devil. It's a fascinating image, but completely wrong. It's typical of the way that the world wants to think of Jesus and Satan as two equal but opposite forces. Pastor Daniel is going to show you the reality in Revelation 20. Satan is the ant and Jesus is the boot. (laughs) Satan is allowed to do what he does because Jesus has determined that Satan's attacks help you become more Christ-like. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Revelation, chapter 20. As he begins his message, evil is crushed. The world as it exists right now is not the way God intended it. And so things in the world have to change and they are changing and what we end up with when we start talking about change in the world and it's one of the things i don't enjoy about the day and age in which we live is the way our world exists especially in the west it's almost always defined by american politics which is proof positive that we're in trouble because really the way we need to approach the becoming that God has for the world is from our Bibles outward, not from political parties inward. And so we all have our policies. I always tell everyone holds their political views personally, passionately. I just ask that you hold them under the authority of Jesus if you're a Christian, that you let Jesus inform your politics. And there's really no more powerful look at what God wants to do in the world than God taking everything that's wrong and making it right again at the end of the book of Revelation. And so it is so important for us to realize that all that's happening right now is temporary. And God is looking to do a work of restoration, a work of renewal, and God wants to change things. And really, as believers, we get to be at our best, empowered by the Spirit to be a trailer for the coming feature presentation. How many of you guys know what a trailer is? Not your double Y that you sleep in when you get in bed fight with your wife. That's not what I'm talking about. A trailer, it's like you see a snippet of a movie before you actually see the movie. Normally, a good trailer for a movie, you should be like, ooh, I want to see that. For like eight years, we couldn't wait for the new Top Gun movie because they were showing us the trailer for like 17 years. Tom Cruise looks exactly the same all 17 years, but then all of a sudden it comes out and we're like, whoa. And sometimes, you know, you get a trailer and all the best parts are in the trailer. You're like, oh, that was kind of a bummer. But really, the people of God are meant to be a foretaste, a forerunner into the world of this is what God is up to. This is what God is working. And in a lot of ways, what we're going to see today 
in the book of Revelation is we're going to see God buttoning up all the worst parts of the world in which we live today. So you want to see it, don't you? Revelation 20. Open up your Bibles to Revelation chapter 20. Here's what I want to tell you before we jump into Revelation 20. This book, the book of Revelation, and this chapter of the book of Revelation, Revelation 20, is fraught with interpretive issues. So if you ever studied the book of Revelation, there's so much interpretation arguments among scholars. So one of the things I don't want to do is tell you my preferred interpretation and tell you that only people who believe like me are deeply biblical. That's what pastors do to make you think that they're smarter than everybody else. But Jesus is Jesus, and it's the revelation of who? So we want to see Jesus in the midst of this, and we here at Crosses, we make space for people who interpret it differently than us, and really, I just want to give you, like, here's the spread of interpretation, and every once in a while, I'll say, look, if you held me down and tickled me and made me choose a side, this is where I land, but really, don't hold me down and don't tickle me, unless you're going to give me a Twinkie, and that's a different discussion. (laughs) But the idea here is we really want to see the book not as a... I need to understand exactly how this is all going to play out in the end so that I feel safe about the future. You should feel safe about your future because Jesus died and rose again. And in him, you are secure. Everything else is it could be this and it could be that. And Revelation 20 is full of this. And I'm going to try and unpack that for you. So if you remember at the end of Revelation chapter 19, we see Jesus coming back and really As Jesus comes back, he's got a multitude of people in fine linen on white horses coming back. And when that happens, you have the Antichrist and the false prophet. They're grabbed and they're thrown into the bottomless pit. And really, they summon all the birds of the air like, man, it's going to be a great feast. There's a big final battle and Jesus is winning. So look at what happens. Revelation 20, verse 1. It says, then I saw an angel coming down from heaven having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand, and he laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. So what do we learn here? We learn that at the return of Jesus, Satan is bound. Now, there's a lot that we can talk about here, and there is a lot happening here. But what you have to realize, first and foremost, we have a tendency, if we don't really think biblically, to think that almost like, you know, Satan is God's evil alter ego. Like, God is Austin Powers, and Satan is like Dr. Evil, if you know the reference. Some of you know the reference, you sinners. No, I'm just kidding. Just means you're around in the 90s when that stuff was coming out. But what you have to realize here is Satan being bound, God doesn't leave his throne to do it. He actually sends an angel. Now, that's an important piece of information for us to see because we have to realize that the good versus evil battle that we see always at play in life, good wipes out evil without any issue. So it's not like if you like boxing. I remember growing up, I grew up as a child of the 80s, so Iron Mike Tyson, before he was a cultural icon, he was just a great boxer. And I remember watching him just like beat guys in like 30 seconds. 
You know what I mean? Like it was just, it was unbelievable to watch. But then I remember I would watch it with my grandfather and my dad because we like sports and they would talk about like the earlier boxing bouts where these boxers would go in the middle of the ring and they just go toe to toe for like 10 rounds. And in a lot of ways, the defeat of evil by God is more of a Mike Tyson fight than an old school knockdown, drag out, 12 rounds, goes to the card to find out who wins the match. God doesn't leave the throne. He sends an angel. The angel grabs Satan and he throws him into the bottomless pit for a thousand years. So what you have to realize is that the defeat of evil by God is not a challenge for God. It happens effortlessly. He sends someone else to do the dirty work for it. Now, what is interesting about this, of course, is if you were with us in our message on Revelation 19, we focused in on the four names of Jesus. Do you remember that? Where we saw Jesus is called faithful and true. He's called the word of God. He's called the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's got a name that nobody knows except him. And we made the point, like, we're going to see Jesus. What's interesting is in the binding of Satan, we get four names for Satan as well. He's called the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan. So we learn a little bit about our adversary. One, he's called, of course, the dragon, and he's been called that all the way through the book of Revelation, things like Revelation chapter 12, different places. 27 times in the Old Testament, the word shows up. And so he's called the serpent of old, which links the devil and Satan to that serpent in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3, who deceived Adam and Eve to disobey God by eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Of course, he's called the devil, which literally means the slanderer or the accuser. And then, of course, he's called Satan, which means the adversary. Now, I think what's interesting with all the names, I want you to notice what it says here. Verse 2, he laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and cast him in the bottomless pit and shut him up and put a seal on him. Now, listen to this, verse 3 so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. So what we learn here is that Satan, the devil, the serpent of old, the dragon, he's got one goal, and that goal is deception. Now, if you go into your favorite browser window, you grab an old school Webster's Dictionary, you go to the library and you rock the Dewey Decimal System and you look up the word deception... What you find is deception is any act, whether big or small, seeking to subvert people from believing what is the truth, to buy into something that isn't the truth for their own advantage. Now, what is fascinating about this is that this is what the devil's role and job always is, is to bring deception, which if you look at our culture and our world today is on full display because we live in a what-is-truth culture. Everybody says, well, I have my truth. And you really can't put a personal pronoun in front of the word truth. If it's your truth, it's actually your opinion. That's how it works. But we live in a world where it's like no one is entitled to say this is the truth, except Jesus said, I am the way, the and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by him. So in our culture, we have a truth problem. But we really don't have a truth problem. We just have a comprehension problem. So what Satan's job always is in all of our lives is to deceive us so that we don't believe the truth. And he does it for his own advantage. Like if someone is deceptive with money, they will lie to you. They'll make you believe something wrong so that they can advantage themselves. So it's to a personal advantage. And really what you find with Satan is that 
There's an old saying that misery loves company. And, and Satan's miserable, and he wants the glory, and he knows that if you don't give God the glory, then he thinks he gets the glory. That's his goal. So deception is real. Now, here's the thing. It's really easy to sit in church, to stand in church, to preach in church, and say, listen, the world is deceived, but I'm here to tell you, deception is at play in all of our hearts and in all of our lives on some level. And growth in Christ, growing in our faith in Jesus, is a perpetual bring our lives into the light and saying, Lord, where am I believing a lie? Where has deception taken root in my heart and in my mind, in my life? Because what you believe, you end up acting out. It begins with a belief, and that belief leads to an action. So at the level of what we believe, when deception is at play, then Satan can have fun. And it says that Satan deceived all the nations, and he tries seeks to deceive all the people. The serpent deceived Adam and Eve by his craftiness. It's always the same thing. So for each one of us, things like reading the Bible and being a part of church, being in a group, praying, worshiping, these are all opportunities to bring our lives into the light so we can see What are the lies that I believe? Now, here's what I want to tell you. Don't think for one second that you don't believe any lies. Because we all do. We're all growing. Sometimes we have the right belief, but the wrong application of that belief. Sometimes we have the wrong belief, but we apply it in a way that actually makes it look good. For all of us, life is constantly about being like, what are the deceptions that I've bought into And how do I repent of those which turns from the deception and turns to God so that I can grow? And I'm here to tell you, no matter how long you walk with Jesus, there are a lot of these. It's like peeling an onion away where there's always, oh, I can't believe I used to believe that. I can't believe I used to do that. And if you feel that way, that means you're growing. You're not what you used to be. You're not what you're going to be. But the key for each one of us is to be on that journey saying, I want to believe no lies. My bride, Lynn, we were just talking about this recently. It was so cool. We were talking about something. She's like, well, we always have to make sure we discern what is truth and what is falsehood in the midst of this. And I'm like, ooh, so good. That fits right in my sermon. Thank you very much. I'll preach that one. But for you, for me, for us, we need to say, where is deception at work in my life? Now, you can always find where the deception at work in your life when the way you're holding whatever you believe does not have the fruit of the spirit at work in it. So if what you believe does not make you more loving, more peaceful, more joyful, more patient, more gentle, more kind, more self-controlled, that's how you know. You're like, oh, there's some deception there. And Satan's job is to deceive but he's going to be bound so that that deception ends. Now, it's important to remember, because we don't want to have kind of a satanic obsession in our lives. Sometimes you can go in church and they're like, it's all like, it's everything's like, a, like an obsession with Satan. You have to remember, 1 John 4, 4 says this, you are of God, little children, and you have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And that's cool, isn't it? It's a good reminder. He who's in you is greater than he who's in the world. So the power of God is greater than the power of the enemy. But we're not ignorant of his devices. 
So we have to ask the Lord to help us root out the deception. Now, you notice what's going on here. It says he's bound and he's going to be shut up that he won't deceive for a thousand years until the thousand years were finished. But then after these things, he must be released for a little while. Now, this is where things get weird. And I'm going to keep reading for you. It says, verse four, and I saw thrones and they sat on them and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God who had not worshiped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years, but the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So what we see here is that really we're encouraged here to enjoy the first resurrection. Because I get that right from verse 6. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Right? So we want to enjoy the first resurrection. But really this whole section and really the binding of Satan is really so that there could be this thousand-year period. Now, when you hear the word thousand and years, what do you think of? The millennium, not the millennials, the millennium. Now, if you want a really controversial topic among biblical scholars, bring up the millennium, and then you will find everybody draws their battle lines. There are three primary positions on how people deal with the millennial reign of Jesus, this thousand-year period, and they can't agree on almost anything. It's a beautiful thing. One's called premillennial, one's called postmillennial, and one's called amillennial. Notice they all have the word millennial in it, right? Because it's all about this thousand-year period. So it's all about the prefix. Everybody remember English comp? So pre means what? You guys are so smart. You must go to a great church with a great pastor. No, I'm just kidding. So premillennial means Jesus comes back before the thousand-year reigns. Postmillennial means what? He comes back after the thousand-year reign. And then amillennial means what? No millennia. The word a means no in Greek or Latin. So like agnostic is a no knowledge. Gnosis is knowledge. Atheist, ah, no, theist, God. So the word a means no before. So there are people who believe that Jesus comes back before the millennium. Some people believe he comes back after the millennium. And then some people are like, oh, hell, there actually is no millennium. Now, here's what I want to tell you. People love Jesus. They love his word. They take it really seriously. And they hold all these positions. Now, those are just the three, like, the three bases, so to speak. But then there are all sorts of people on different places in between all the bases. And then there's some people who don't want to run the bases at all. That's a different discussion. If you've been with us in this series, and I'm going to nerd out for a second. So if I shoot over your head, just kind of hang with me and I'll come back to normal land. But depending on how you choose to interpret the book of Revelation gives you certain parameters by which you interpret the book of Revelation. So what's interesting is for people who hold the book of Revelation, everything is absolutely literal and futuristic. So everything is hyper-literal. This is going to happen in the future. Then you land it pre-millennial because it says in Revelation 19, Jesus comes back and then he establishes the millennial reign. Okay. If you believe in a more symbolic interpretation... Then you end up with the post-millennial position because you're like, well, listen, Jesus is reigning through the church now. He's here in the spirit now, and Satan is actually subdued now. So if you have a symbolic interpretation, then you end up with kind of a more post-millennial. And then the amillennial position is very interesting because really what they're saying is 
the phrase thousand years in the Bible doesn't mean a literal thousand years because thousand years is just a really long time. Like it says in the scriptures that a day is as what? A thousand years. It says that God owns cattle on a thousand hills. Do you mean he doesn't own it on a thousand and one hills? Maybe he owns cattle on 999 hills. So it's an even number that is emblematic or symbolic of a long time. And if anyone, if I said, look, you're going to live a thousand years, you'd be like, whoa, that's a long time. I always love this with people because I have this in my family all the time where some people round up and some people are like, like, they're like, what time is it? I'm like, it's 10 o'clock. They're like, it's 9.56. And I'm like, you're right. But that's 10 o'clock in my book. It's close enough. Some people in my family are like, no, no, no. It's 9.56. Okay. And so the idea here is depending on where you come from, you have these different interpretations. And to be honest with you, I think it's all going to pan out. In the scriptures, what you find is that the reason God's good world doesn't work quite right is because of the presence of Satan and his deception. And in order for things to work the way God intended it, Satan needs to be bound and removed so that this thing can work the way it's supposed to work. And that's really what we're getting at here, that with Satan being bound... Everything is together. And now you have this resurrection. Now, what's interesting in verse 4, the resurrection is really focusing on those who were martyred during that tribulation period when the Antichrist is at work and the mark of the beast and all this. It's almost like you have a tearing of the resurrection. Now, listen, I said that out loud, and I don't want you to overstate what I'm trying to say. Because who was the first fruits of the resurrection? Jesus. And then you have, like, the hope of the future resurrection. And so... What I'm saying is that some of our beliefs about, like, I die and then I go to heaven with Jesus, it's like, well, it's a little bit more complicated than that. And if the millennial isn't symbolic, then actually some of people are going to go to heaven and they come back with Jesus on their white horse behind you, and then they're going to live on earth for a thousand years. So it's like you die and you go to heaven with Jesus, then you come back, you hang out on earth for a while, and then heaven and earth is going to pass away and you get a new heaven and a new earth, and that's where you live forever. So to say, like, I just, I want to believe in Jesus, so I go to heaven when I die, it's like, actually, well, there's a new heaven and a new earth, you might come back, and who knows how this is all going to work. <laughs> Did I just confuse everybody? Everyone's just looking at me like, what is going on right now? <laughs> but if you take your Bible seriously, what I want to tell you is that it's not as simplistic as we want it to be. So many times you're like, man, I just want to go to heaven when I die. And there's that part of me as like your little brother in Christ who likes to start trouble and create a little havoc. I'm like, well, actually, you're going to go to heaven, but then you're going to come back to earth. And then you're going to go to a new heaven and a new earth. So don't get too comfy in heaven. But the idea of heaven is when you die, you get to go be with Jesus where he is. Now, locations and timelines, that's a different discussion that is fraught with interpretive problems. But really what we find here is that the future for us holds being with Jesus where he is, where he reigns, without any evil or deception at work. And my friends, that's enjoying the first resurrection. Jesus is real. Isn't it a good thing to know that someday evil and the devil will finally be disposed of? Imagine a world where there's no Satan. Sounds pretty awesome, right? Pastor Daniel explained the binding of Satan and his banishment to a holding cell for a thousand years will be coming. You got to hear about all the things that Jesus is going to banish when he's totally in charge. 
and it's good to know that the present struggle will be worth the prize at the end. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus' Real Radio, and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus' Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus' Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Just click on Give. Thank you for partnering with us. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will continue his teaching on the future millennial reign of Jesus. But he'll also be talking about what you should be doing in the meantime. You'll be directed toward what God wants you to be focusing on and how you should be living your life. Pastor Daniel will talk about living a giving lifestyle. You'll learn the importance of passing the hope you've been giving to others around you. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series, A Year of Revelation, next time. Until then, may God bless.